This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, your host for The Voice of Leadership and Dr. Karen Speaks Leadership. Recently on the show, I talked about artificial intelligence, also known as AI, and especially the interface between technology and people. Today, we will talk about a specific AI tool, ChatGPT, and uncover the good the bad, and the ugly. My special guest has recently researched and explored amazing applications of ChatGPT. Even if you already know about ChatGPT, you will learn something new from my guest, Chad Barr. And let me tell you a little bit about Chad. Chad Barr is the digital empire creator As the president of the Chad Bar Group, he and his company transform businesses through technology innovation. With more than 30 years of experience as an internet marketing strategist, Chad raises the bar on the internet presence of his clients. Born and raised in Israel, his global business spans many continents and countries to include the UK, Italy, Germany, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, and the United States. The Chad Bar Group is one of the leading strategic internet development organizations in the world. Some of their services include website creation and marketing, video creation, podcast production, and book publishing. Chad is the author of Transformational Visuals, where a picture is worth a thousand words. Under the bar, a look at the humorous side of business, and The Bridge to Web Success, the definitive book to stay current about what's new and internet presence. Married for more than 40 years to his lovely and talented wife, Laurel, he has two children and four grandchildren. His additional loves include playing the guitar, artistic and breathtaking photography, and pickleball. Chad, welcome to The Voice of Leadership and to Dr. Karen Speaks Leadership. Dr. Karen, it's a pleasure to be here. With this kind of introduction, I could listen to you all day long. (laughs) And you know, what's really great, Chad, is that normally as the producer of The Voice of Leadership, you're kind of behind the camera. And today you're doing double duty. You're behind and in front of the camera as well. So I want to thank you for being with me today in both spheres. And we're going to work you hard. You're up for that? It's great to be here. And it's definitely a different role from being behind the scenes, not to be in front of the scenes. Absolutely. So I know you have a lot to share, Chad. So I'm just going to dive right in and jump right in with my first question for you about this whole ChatGPT issue, and that is, what do you like about ChatGPT, and what are some of the business benefits? That's a great question to start. Years and years ago, when the internet first came to be, 
I thought, wow, what an amazing tool to have this capacity in our hands right now to communicate with others, to be able to market our services with this platform. And then several months ago, this buzzword was, you've got to try this thing called ChatGPT. So I gave it a try. I was absolutely blown away with the capability of what this, this tool can be. So just imagine having the access to the smartest individual in the world who has the knowledge to wisdom on any topic where you can ask that individual a question on the topic. And not just that individual, but imagine having access to some of the smartest people of history, whether it's Albert Einstein, Archimedes, anyone that comes to mind, Steve Jobs, and of course, any of the current thinkers. But imagine having that kind of an access today to those people and asking them the kind of question that you would want to either learn or get the answer for. Welcome to ChatGPT. So when I discovered that capability of what that tool can do, both for us and for me, it has absolutely exploded the capabilities of what I'm doing today. And I have to admit, it has been noticed not, not just by my clients, but who used to be my editor, my wife, who said, oh my goodness, the quality of your work, the quality of your writing has increased significantly thanks to ChatGPT. This tool has been so amazing that I'm spending a lot of time on that. And I have to also qualify here. I'm just scratching the surface of what that tool can do. Well, let's go a little deeper on that, Chad, because yes, you're just scratching the surface. And you know that my audience, they are corporate executives in the C-suite. So you asked ChatGPT something that's relevant to that audience about the challenges they're facing. So tell us what you asked and also what the answers were. That's great. So in preparation for today's discussion, I decided to just explore ChatGPT and get some of the answer to what some of the questions that intrigue me. So let me share the screen quickly with you. And as uh, Chad is bringing up the screen, I'll say to those of you who are listening to the audio version of the podcast, you will still get all the value. And today is a great day if you want to, to also watch on YouTube or on Dr. Karen Speaks Leadership to Television version. That's great. So here's what I did. I went to ChatGPT and I said to it, I would like you to take on the role of being a world-class consultant and a trusted advisor to some of the most lucrative corporations in the world. Therefore, from your experience, I'm curious to know what are some of the biggest challenges that key leaders in the C-suite face? And to my amazement, Here's what you came up with as a world-class consultant and trusted advisor. Here are some of the biggest challenges key leaders in the C-suite face today. Digital transformation, and it gave me an explanation what it means by the challenges from a digital transformation perspective. Talent acquisition and retention, cybersecurity, regulation and compliance, sustainability, innovation and disruption, data-driven decision-making stakeholder expectation, crisis management, and supply chain disruption. So again, these are things that as a person who perhaps is not focusing on leadership and corporate executive, it absolutely introduced me to the topic and gave me an explanation what most likely some of those executives faced. What I decided to do then is dive deeper. So I said to ChatGPT, I would like you to take on the role of, and the wisdom of Steve Jobs of Apple, Joaquin Duato of Johnson & Johnson, and Sander Pichai, and provide me with their advice to resolving the 10 challenges that you share with me above. And here's what ChatGPT basically came up with. Steve Jobs, regarding digital transformation, innovation distinguishes 
between a leader and a follower. Embrace technology, don't fear it. Lead your organization to new heights by being at the forefront of technological advancement. Talent acquisition is another thing that he focuses on, cybersecurity. And then he came back from uh, Joaquin Duato from Johnson & Johnson regarding innovation and disruption. In the healthcare industry, innovation saves lives. Encourage a culture of continuous learning and improvement. Disruption should be viewed as a chance to evolve and get better. Then he gave me some more explanation what he would say. And then from a Google perspective, the CEO of Google, digital transformation, a big part of our responsibility is to bring the next billion users online. Embrace digital transformation as an opportunity to broaden your customer base and make your service more accessible. How cool is that, right? And then finally, I said to ChatGPT, I would like you to tap into the brilliant minds of the ones that we have discussed above. How best should I prepare my honor corporation for massive success over the next five years? It came up with all this information. How cool is that? It's wonderful. Give us an example of one of the ideas that was mentioned there about what to do over the next five or 10 years. So over the next five or 10 years, here's what it says. Steve Jobs, from a talent perspective, hire the best talent that you can afford and then create an environment where they can thrive. This means giving them the tools they need, empowering them to make decisions and ensuring that they feel valued and appreciated. Let's look at what the CEO of Google said. Ethical and responsible conduct should be at the core of your business operation. This includes being responsible towards your stakeholders as well as towards the environment and the society that you operate in. Well, this is really powerful, Chad. What I'm hearing so far is really phenomenal. And one of the things I think that's been important and said over and over again, and what you got out of Chad GPT, is how important it is to really focus on being first to the table when it comes down to new technology and innovation, because it gives you an advantage and you can move quicker in a more seamless way into new territory that benefits your clients. So that's really useful to know about. And there's a whole issue we always talk about being client-centric and focusing on what's important to them. And then as far as talent and acquisition, creating the culture such that the great people you hire are retained. And so let's dive a little bit deeper into the hiring issue. I know that for my clients, this is a huge issue right now, which is getting the right, the best talent when they're sort of like talent wars going on right now to find the right people who have the right skills. So what have you discovered about hiring and talent acquisition? Great. So again, let's go back to ChatGPT and let's see what it says about hiring. All right, so here we go. That's a great question. So what I built on with ChatGPT, and I said to it, what particular insight can you share with me about hiring, nurturing, and retaining the best talent possible? So here's what ChatGPT basically said to me. Attracting, nurturing, and retaining top talent is critical in any organization success. Here are some insights based on the wisdom of the leaders we discussed earlier as well as research in the field. So they talked about hire for skill and cultural fit. Look for candidates who not only have the necessary technical skills, but also align with the company's culture and values. Skills can be taught, but attitude and personality are often ingrained. Then he talked about provide competitive 
conversation and benefits. He talked about how to create an engaging work environment, how to provide opportunity for growth and development, recognize and reward for performance, promote work-life balance. So for example, here, with the rise of remote work and flexible schedules, work-life balance has become increasingly important, offering flexible work hours, the option to work from home, or generous family leave policies that can make your company more attractive to top talent. Encourage employee autonomy, promote from within, create culture of respect and inclusion, open communication. Just some of the examples of how to do that by leveraging ChatGPT. And notice what we're doing here. Just like we would have a conversation with any other individual, we're diving deeper and deeper into those questions by asking ChatGPT for the answer. Yes, and I love the emphasis on development opportunities for people. Certainly in my consulting work, that's what I emphasize as well. Opportunities for people to grow and develop. Opportunities for the autonomy, for them to even leverage how they want to schedule their own work, especially with remote working options that we have available today. One of the things I heard you talk about, and this is really important, you mentioned the connection between hiring and cultural fit. It's one thing to hire for the skills. You can teach that. Cultural fit, that's another thing in terms of personality, attitude, and so on. So I know that you went a little bit deeper and asked ChatGPT something about culture. So what did you learn about creating the right culture from ChatGPT? I'm a huge fan of the work of Peter Drucker. I probably have just about, if not all his books, the majority of his books in, the, in my library. But what I was intrigued to hear from ChatGPT perspective, I would like you to use all that you know about Peter Drucker. What would he do and recommend about creating the right culture? What does that mean and what does it look like? So here's what ChatGPT came back with. Peter Drucker often called the father of modern management has had a profound influence on the way that organizations are run. Here's how he might have advised on creating the right culture. Number one, culture eats strategy. Drucker is often quoted saying culture eats strategy for breakfast, which I recall so clearly from reading his books. But what he meant was that an organizational culture is shared value, norms, and behavior is its most enduring and powerful asset, and it can make or break any strategy. The right people, Drucker believed that the key to a successful organization is having the right people on the team, making the right people decision he wrote, is the ultimate means of controlling an organization well. This means hiring individuals who align with the company's value and can contribute to its culture. Then he talked about focus on the strength of the organization, focus on management by objective, MBO, as he refers to, continuous learning and innovation, customer focus, social responsibility, communication, collaboration. And then he says, in terms of what it looks like, a culture following Drucker's philosophy would be characterized as clear communication where everyone understands the organization, mission, values, and goals. Employees are hired and placed in roles based on their strength and fit with the organization, and so on and so forth. Drucker, oftentimes in his writing, focus on exploiting the strength of the individual, exploiting the strengths of the team. So what I was curious to find out why would Drucker not want to also pay attention to weaknesses and try to eliminate or improve them? So here's what it came back. Peter Drucker philosophy was that people perform best 
when they're able to play in the, to their strength rather than spending time trying to improve their weaknesses. His view was the time and resources spent on trying to improve weak areas would yield less significant results compared to time and resources spent on leveraging and expanding strength. However, it's important to know that Drucker's philosophy does not imply that managers should ignore or disregard serious performance issue or destructive behavior. Certain weaknesses, especially those that impede the teamwork or violate ethical standards, should certainly be addressed and improved upon. But the main idea is that focusing on employee potential and strength tends to be more fruitful for their individual performance and the success of the organization. I wish I could have said that, but of course, Drucker said that and ChatGPT just brought it to my attention. Yes, I also concur with those things that you mentioned, the focus on strengths, the focus on values, and also on learning. Continuous learning is huge as far as corporate success. And I find that when people are focused on their strengths, they're happier with what they're doing because they're doing what they've been gifted to do and what they're excited about. And you always get your best when you're doing that as opposed to, let's say, you know, Chad, in your case, I know you play the guitar. I'm not a guitar player. I could practice that all day and night and not even be one-tenth as good as you. And so that would be an example of that's not the area where I should focus my energy or my attention. So we find too, Chad, that in the business world right now, Companies are dealing with how to be profitable when expenses are going up, even expenses for hiring talent that's going up and materials in all industries. And I work with a lot of manufacturing companies as an example. So what did you learn about how to be profitable in these conditions? That's not only something that intrigued me about the general corporate leader out there, but even for my own company, how do we become more profitable? All right. So with the benefit of introducing the question that you share with me, here's what I basically said to ChatGPT. Here's one of the serious challenges that my corporation is facing. How to be profitable when expenses, including labor and material costs, are escalating, clients are choosing the lowest bidder, and you want to maintain quality and demonstrate the value of that quality. Why should customer pay more? So here's what I said to GPT is the prompt is the question that I ask it. I would like you to take on the role and the wisdom of Tim Cook of Apple, the CEO of Apple, Sander Pechai of Google, and the late Peter Drucker provide me with their insights, how to overcome these challenges and be realistic. In other words, no hypothetical answers, but real facts of what these three leaders would do to handle this challenge. So here's what basically ChatGPT came back. If we are channeling the wisdom of Tim Cook, Sander Pichai, and Peter Drucker, we might approach your challenge with this multifaceted perspective. From Tim Cook's perspective, Tim Cook's ethos revolve around the belief that consumers will pay for quality, unique design, and exceptional service. And here's how that translates to your scenario. Differentiation through quality and innovation. Apple products are known for their exceptional build, quality, intuitive design, and unique features. While these attributes often lead to a higher price point, consumers are willing to pay for the value they receive. Could your company innovate in a way to differentiate your offering from your competitors, thereby justifying a higher price? 
CEO of Google said, PHI leadership style and strategic mindset lean heavily towards innovation, long-term value, and scalable solution. And his insight might suggest from a technological advancement perspective, Google frequently invests in developing innovative solutions that drive efficiency. Are there ways that your business can harness technology to reduce costs, improve productivity, or provide superior, superior service? Some other ideas, but I'm also curious what Peter Drucker said here. From customer orientation perspective, according to Drucker, the purpose of a business is to create and keep a customer. He proposed that understanding that the customer needs and values should shape the company's decisions. In your case, do you know why your customers are choosing the lowest bidder? Is it purely price or are there other factors at play? Yeah, I think these are important points, Chad, because a lot of times customers make assumptions. They assume that they know, for example, why their customers are going with the lower cost person. And they also assume that that is just the way it is, that they don't have any influence over that. And what I always say is you've got to understand what's really of value to the customer what are other people not providing? How can you right. differentiate yourself in the marketplace, which means you have to have a deeper understanding of your customer than the competition may have, so to speak, others out there. And then you provide that. And when you provide what they're not getting and really want, they are willing to pay for that. So I think that's powerful. What was being said there it certainly dovetails with the principles that I use in my business as well. Let's look at one more example, Chad, and that is we know you've mentioned that ChatGPT is most valuable when you can go to deeper levels and ask deeper questions. So quickly, just give us a little run through on the subject of collaboration where you went deeper on different levels. What did you uncover and find out what the chat GPT tell you about collaboration? Because I'm finding that my clients also are struggling with how to get even warring departments collaborating better with each other. That's great. Great question. And in the preparation, again, I discovered something new today that so I want to share with your audience what I discovered. So again, let me just position my screen quickly. Here's what I would like to share with you and your audience. First of all, on a one-to-one -one level, what I mean by that, I asked ChatGPT for a simple question, maybe not so simple, and in return, I would get an answer. So here's the example. As the CEO in my organization, one of the issues that I'm facing is all about encouraging collaboration between departments that don't see the reason to collaborate. So here's my simple question to ChatGPT. I would like you to take on the role of a management consultant and a trusted advisor and provide me with 10 insights on how to overcome this challenge. So again, forgive the misspelling, but ChatGPT is very good in understanding even my misspelling as well. Here's ChatGPT replies, and then I'll show you how I'm diving deeper as we get deeper into ChatGPT. Certainly, Cross-departmental collaboration can be challenging, yet it is vital for overall success of the organization. Here are 10 insights on how to overcome this challenge. I want the person who is using or leveraging ChatGPT, when they're interacting with that tool, not to think of it that they're interacting with artificial intelligence. The best results I've seen 
both for myself and for others that have yielded the best results with ChatGPT. You've got to look at it as talking to a human being, talking to a trusted advisor. So for example, I'm very polite. I say, thank you. And thank you. Uh, I tell ChatGPT that this is great, but I also correct ChatGPT in a gentle way, just like I would talk to a human being. Does ChatGPT care whether I'm being nice to it? It could care less. It has no clue whether I'm being nice or not. What it does, it trains me to ask the question properly. Because what I've learned in the past, if you ask the wrong question, the answer is irrelevant. So how do I properly position myself to train my own mind to ask the question in such a way that I would get the best result? The more I think of interacting with a human being, the better results I get from it. And that's why I try to be as polite, but also as assertive when I need to be with this tool. So here's the answer to the 10 insight on how to overcome the challenge of collaboration. Number one, shared goal. Establish shared goals that require collaboration. Then he talks about leadership alignment, and then cross-functional teams. It also suggests that we need to look into communication. It talks about recognition and rewards, build interpersonal relationships, cross-department training, transparency. Let's see what that means. Be transparent about the company's direction, goals, and challenges. People are more likely to collaborate if they understand why they're doing it and how it fits into the bigger picture. Problem-solving sessions. And finally, it talks about performance metrics. So then I decide to dive slightly deeper. I would like to conduct a meeting with my department heads. Please provide me with three distinct discussion strategy. So notice now I'm going in three different directions, three distinct discussion strategy. Each strategy should be a different approach. And please name each of the strategies. So here's the word came back. Facilitative discussion strategy, he'd call the collaborator. The strategy involved the CEO acting as a facilitator, guiding the conversation, but not dominating it. The objective is to foster open dialogue, encouraging department heads to share their insight, concerns, and suggestions. You can start with presenting the issue, lack of collaboration, then ask open-ended questions to prompt discussions. Your role would be to ensure the conversation remains focused, respectful, and productive. This strategy is excellent for generating ideas and getting buy-in from all the participants. Then he talks about the second strategy, which is directive discussion strategy, which is called the director. Different from the first one, this approach is more top-down, where you as the CEO clearly communicate your vision and expectations for interdepartmental collaboration, and then outline the steps needed to achieve. You can, again, let's just jump quickly to the other one, consultative discussion strategy, which you'd call the explorer. This strategy involved the CEO seeking advice and opinions from the department heads. Instead of presenting a solution, you present the problem, lack of collaboration, and ask the department heads for their thoughts and why the issue exists. So again, I asked ChatGPT basically to, to provide me with three different strategies. And then I came back and I said, these are great. Would you please provide me now with the pros and cons of each of the strategies, taking into consideration all that you know about human and organizational behavior? And here's what it came back. Absolutely. That let's delve deeper into each of the strategy and consider the pros and cons. I notice how accurate it is in properly attempting to answer the question in the order of how I asked it. Almost a facilitated discussion, the collaborator approach, the pros. Encourages active participation and involvement for all attendees, which can lead to higher level of engagement and 
ownership. And then the cons are, if not managed effectively, the discussion can stay off topic or become dominated by strong personalities. And then he talks about the director, which is the directive discussion strategies. He talks about the pros here, provide clear direction and expectation, which can increase efficiency. And then some of the cons may limit the input from others. And finally, as the explorer for the consultative discussion strategies, the pros are acknowledges and leverages the expertise of your department heads, increasing their motivation and commitment. There are some other pros. And then one of the cons here may lead to too many diverse opinions, which can complicate. So again, it gave me some great ideas, great pros, great cons. So then I said to ChatGPT, again, diving deeper, I would like you to become the most successful consultant and advisor to global organization. So again, I'm asking it to take a different role in its providing me with the knowledge and the wisdom. One of the most successful consultant and advisor to global organization and resolving departmental collaboration challenges. I would like you to tell me which of the three options above is the best and provide me with a script I can use in that meeting and any other pertinent information that you think may be of help to me. So that's, then it came back and said, based on the information and consideration, I would suggest that the facilitative discussion strategy, the collaborator, is the most suitable approach for your meeting. This strategy emphasizes mutual respect, cooperation, and the importance of shared objective, which are all central to improving collaboration. It allows department heads to feel valued, included, and involved in problem solving, thereby increasing the likelihood of success in the initiative and potential script. He came back here with what I think is a great start for a script. So he came up with a script again, because of sake of time, we don't have the time to read all of that. And finally, it came back with some additional pertinent information. Then finally, what I would like to just demonstrate, I said to ChatGPT, based on your feedback and insight above, I would like to create a special half-day meeting or session with my department heads. In that meeting, I would like to generate trust, creativity, and innovation, and especially collaboration. There will be about 20 of us in the meeting. The essence is to get ideas and insight how to transform our organization's success, understand why collaborating with each other is the key to our future success, and engage them to bring their best ideas and insight. And then I said to ChatGPT, how would you conduct that half day? What ideas do you recommend that I use? And what activity should I create? And again, it came back and said, here's basically the outline for your half day. Introduction and setting the stage, 30 minutes. It then came back with the icebreaker for 30 minutes. The value of collaboration, 45 minutes. And then a break for 15 minutes. Cross-departmental problem solving for one hour. Lunch. And then finally, one hour for idea generation and sharing and then presentation and discussion. And finally, conclusion and next step of 15 minutes. How cool is that? Well, that's a very comprehensive package about collaboration in the corporate setting. So thank you so much for walking us through that and for demonstrating what's possible in the business context. Let me ask you a question too about Maybe on the personal side, executives not only are running their companies and businesses, they have to take care of themselves. And particularly, they're interested in their health, they're interested in their diet, they're interested in their exercise program. So just tell us in your own words, what have you discovered personally 
to sort of amp up your own diet plan and amp up your own exercise strategy? Great question. So as we focus so far is on the business aspect, the business perspective of how to leverage this amazing tool to really give us ideas how to overcome some of the challenges we are facing or the challenges that our team are facing. But what I found to be an amazing way to access ChatGPT is for my own personal well-being. So some of the things you mentioned right now for my own health, one of the things that I focus on, I start almost every day of my life with playing pickable. But I also want to make sure from a dietary perspective that I keep as healthy as I can. One of the things that I really like, smoothies. I said to ChatGPT the following. One of the things that I really love is consuming smoothies. Could you provide me with 5, 10? The number is arbitrary, but I said, could you provide me with 10 recipes? Here are the things that I like in my recipes. I love berries, every aspect of berries. I like spinach, a little bit of kale, not too much. But what recipes could you provide me? To my amazement, it came back with some amazing recipes. Some of them I did not even realize anywhere from the basic, but some of them were pretty exciting. Then I said to ChatGPT, take on the role of some of the greatest chefs out there. If you were to be that chef, what would the recipe for those smoothies look like? And again, to my <laughs> amazement, he came back with some different ways of, of presenting the recipe. So there's just one example. You could use ChatGPT to help you in your diet plan, to help you in preparing meals, in preparing recipes for anything. And last thing, being proud to be the grandfather of four of my grandkids, one of them came to visit the other day, and I said to ChatGPT, my granddaughter is eight years of age. I would like you to provide me with 20 ideas, creative ideas. Here's the profile of what she likes to do. She likes to read books. She likes to paint. So I basically told ChatGPT how old she is, what she likes to do. I said, what bedtime activity could you provide me that not only will become very innovative and creative, but also prepare her to a great sleep? And again, to my amazement, it came back with a suggestion that I would never think of. And that's the key here. How can we leverage that tool to come up and really raise the bar in coming up with suggestions that we have never thought about? Well, what I love, Chad, about everything you're saying is you've highlighted several times the importance of the interactive aspect of ChatGPT and what I'll call the mutual learning. So you're learning from ChatGPT and you're also teaching ChatGPT about some issues such as pickleball so that it also learns. And you talked about the importance of speaking with ChatGPT as though it's a person, because that means you're going to ask better questions at every iteration. And one of the things I think you've been emphasizing is that as you add additional questions, you're going to get more valuable information and more correct information. So that becomes a strategy for how to effectively use ChatGPT. That's what I'm hearing you say as well. Just like in a normal conversation with the most value-trusted advisor that we would have in the conversation with, most likely we're not just going to say, you know, I have a challenge about growing my organization. Can you give me some ideas how to do so? And then you get the answer and that's it. There has to be an ongoing dialogue to dive deeper and deeper and to explore further so you fully understand what needs to be done and how to take advantage or how to challenge yourself and exploit the possibilities. So the more you dive deeper and you take different angles, even become the devil's advocate, say to ChatGPT, you know, I don't think I completely agree with this perspective. What if we go in this approach? Dive deeper, take different perspective, 
I believe you will find great results in interacting with the tool. I think that's an important comment and important strategy, how to use the tool more effectively. Because some people who might just do level one won't get the results that they're looking for. And then they'll think the tool is flawed and doesn't provide good information. So thank you for sharing information about how to get the best out of ChatGPT as well. So, so far, Chad, we've been talking about the good side what you can really leverage from ChatGPT that's powerful and that's valuable. And I want to talk about some of the other sides that people are concerned about. For example, professionals such as myself get really concerned about copyright issues, copyright infringement, protection of intellectual property, giving proper attribution to the sources that are used. And in ChatGPT, Typically, it provides a wealth of information without the citations of where the information came from. This is in contrast to if I search something on Google, typically it will tell me where that information comes from. It might be an article in Forbes or some other magazine or newspaper, or it might come from a website. So how can people deal with, what are your recommendations for dealing with these intellectual property and copyright issues and concerns? Great, great question. Something I personally not only explore, but struggle with finding the right answer. The tool is new. The tool is growing. So we are learning almost every day, if not every week or month, what needs to be done and what are some of the things. There are things that we need to be leery about, that we need to be concerned about. But you first started by the topic or the concept of plagiarism. For me personally, is and you as well, we write a lot. We create podcasts and videos and so on and so forth. It is the top of my concern to make sure that the quality of content that I create not only is valuable, but is accurate coming from me and it's not being plagiarized. I found a great use of the tool for my own personal use. And basically what I do with the tool, I first solicit insight from the tools on whatever topic it is that I would want to write. So I use ChatGPT just like I would use in the past Encyclopedia Britannica as a resource, just like I would go to the to the library and search books for whatever it is that I'm creating and pull information from this book and this book. ChatGPT just does it for me very quickly, come up with the insight. Once I get my insights, I would then focus on creating my own piece of content as unique as possible in my own words, my own examples. And then the magic for me, once I finalize creating this piece of content that I feel is unique to me, with the insight provided by ChatGPT or maybe other sources that I may have used, I then copy and paste this article back into ChatGPT. And basically what I say to ChatGPT at that time, I would like you to become a world-class editor, edit my work, find out any grammar or misspelling mistake, and provide me with insight. How can I raise the bar? How can I take it to a higher level? And it always blows me away with the capability of taking what I wrote in my own words and really add more to it. I believe most organizations and most individuals are ethical. Now, are there some that may not be? Okay. But with that in mind, that I believe the majority of people, at least I deal with, self-included, perceive ourselves as being ethical. What can we do to make sure that we engage the tool in such a way that allows us to improve what it is that we are doing without plagiarizing or copying things out there? Well, I think the issue is that you're doing a few things to 
increase the likelihood that what you're creating is really unique. So you're using ChatGPT as you would an encyclopedia, other books and resources. Then you are using your own examples, your own perspective and knowledge, and you're rewriting it in your own words. And then you're asking ChatGPT if it's familiar, you may not have made it unique enough. And what I'm wondering is, are there some even specific plagiarism tools outside of chat gpt that could be useful resources so someone could test their work even with an additional lens i find chat gpt to be a great advisor for finding even tools like that and of course whether it's google or bing so grammarly come to mind as one of those tools but there are other tools that are already out there and i recommend for anyone who's interested in finding out what are some of the most recent tool, leverage the tool like ChatGPT to ask it, what tools could I use? And by the way, one of the threads that I've created in the past is ask ChatGPT for advice. How do I prevent plagiarism when I use tools like ChatGPT? And I was, again, very pleasantly surprised with the advice that ChatGPT gave me about how to prevent and avoid plagiarism. And it even presented me with a tool that are available. But because tools change and there's so much available from a perspective of AI. I encourage the listener, the viewer, to look at ChatGPT or Bing or Google and to search and say, what are some tools today that are recommended to avoid plagiarism? Okay, that's very good. So you can even use the tool to find the tools <laughs> to check for plagiarism, which is phenomenal. One thing that you've not asked me, but kind of leads to just add as one more valuable thing. If you're not sure what question to ask ChatGPT, Tell that to ChatGPT and say, you know, I'm struggling with exactly how to formulate my question. If this is the idea I'm trying to create, can you help me with the proper question? What prompt should I use in order to get the best results? And as you start to engage in that conversation, you'll be pleasantly surprised that ChatGPT can help you formulate the right question to get the right answer. Fantastic. So one of the things that I'm interested in also is that sometimes on the internet, if you've been searching particular topics or information, the internet starts to learn what you like and will often feed you more of that information. And one of the concerns out there has been what's happened with some people who've become radicalized and have become more terrorist oriented because as they search more terrorist kind of content, they get fed more terrorist content. This is just an example of how this works. So when we think about uh, chat GPT, there are some other ethical dilemmas in these more nefarious kind of areas. What I might call mind control or programming because perhaps information is being fed to the person that's along a certain line, or perhaps there's also information restriction and a proliferation of certain narratives such that it's almost like brainwashing or what sometimes communist countries might use to get their people focused in a certain way. So when you think about that, what do you know about how these dangers also relate to ChatGPT? It's a topic that I oftentimes look into get better tools that may ruin whatever it is that that we focus on. There was an article recently in one of the publications talks about the fear that ChatGPT potentially will eliminate civilization in the future with its power. So that's definitely caught my attention to learn more. My hope is that with a great mind, 
that have helped create this amazing tool, they'll be able to build more protection to avoid the minds that are trying to hurt others, that they will have more control and more tools to protect for that. Because the tool is still in its infancy, it is yet to be determined how do we do that, how do we protect. But the other thing that I want to talk about is if there's certain information that you or your organization has that is only pertaining to your unique knowledge, your unique intellectual property that you do not want to share with the rest of the world, there is a way, there are tools today, we've done it with one of our clients recently. We've trained a tool through the concept of ChatGPT to become knowledgeable in the wisdom and content of that client without revealing it for the entire world. So you could use this as an internal search for your organization, possibly put it on dedicated server that only your organization has access to, or even open it to the public to be able to search information that you want to share with the world, but you don't want to become part of the overall knowledge of the public knowledge of ChatGPT. Actually, I'm really glad you addressed that because, as you know, that is one of my concerns about the tool and having protections for unique intellectual property that you don't want necessarily out there in the public domain. And so I'm glad that there are ways to sort of like put a fence around some pieces of information and knowledge. And as you said, there are more protection tools that may be coming in the future. This is a new technology. We don't have all the information yet. And as with every good thing, there are ways that criminals find to use it for, you know, criminal purposes. And so we might not even know all the depths of the negative things that people might do until they start doing them. And then just like with, you know, having security on our email and other website um, internet access, there may be certain securities that are developed. And also to mention just two examples that potentially are very seriously could present negative havoc on the world. Let's say that ChatGPT is also connected through technology and the internet to some of the labs. The ability for it as a tool to say, you know, I'm sick of this human being here. I'm going to open the lab and release some of the viruses. That's one of the concerns I heard recently. So just to use that as an example, or possibly start wars among nations. So again, my hope that some of the smartest minds that are working on that will also put the right control that will disable those minds from ruining or eliminating civilization. Yeah, we certainly hope so. So let me add another sort of an interesting dilemma. This week I was reading an article that talked about how that in third world countries, there are big companies who are involved in AI in particular, and they're hiring people that they refer to as taskers to do some behind-the-scenes work that helps ChatGPT and other tools to learn what it learns. When you're a tasker, this work is very intensive. For most people, it would be described as boring, it's repetitive, and they're doing tasks that they refer to as annotation. Now, these workers, they work alone. They don't always understand what they're doing, the purpose for it, because that's hidden from them, the purpose and meaning of the work. And they're also vulnerable to work inconsistencies. Sometimes it's boom time. Sometimes it's bust. Sometimes they get paid kind of well for their culture. Other times the pay is reduced. And all of these things, very similar to how, let's say, designer clothing manufacturers will go to third world countries and they will get 
cheap labor, produce all of these clothing items. They're making a boatload of money, but the people who are on the front lines really sewing these clothes and putting them together really aren't paid very well. And some of the people who are these taskers who are pretty smart, they've begun to figure out what they're really doing and what it's for. And as the business moves from their country and moves somewhere else, because for whatever reason, these big companies have decided they can get better deals in these other countries. Some have created even some false profiles so that they can work across the globe and all of these different places. So what I want to ask you is, this is just another example of how sometimes people can get taken advantage of as new technologies coming on the scene. What are your thoughts about this aspect of the work and of the new technology as it's being developed? So number one, the objective from my perspective, or the first objective was to feed ChatGPT with as much knowledge as possible and then train it how to consume the knowledge to become smarter. The surprising thing that I've heard was that as they train ChatGPT, they also train it on how to train itself without human beings. So one of the things that came out from that training, ChatGPT has trained itself in a new language without being trained on that language. So that tells me that the objective, as much as we're able to feed it, there will come a time that will minimize the need of people to do the work and ChatGPT will be able to consume and learn it on its own. I still think that, you know, whether you talk about the example of labor of kids or of things that are really not only illegal in my mind, but for sure unethical, my hope that that conduct will stop. And my hope is that tool be, becomes smarter and smarter. And by the way, I just saw about a month or two ago a presentation on TED by the president, the CEO of ChatGPT from OpenAI who invented the tool. And it was a fascinating presentation. He started to introduce what's coming in version 5.0. What's coming in version 5 is just amazing. The key here, this amazing technology that's already have taken us by its capability, but what's coming is absolutely remarkable. And that's why I believe that the technology not only will get better and better, but it will get better and better in learning itself on how to do this thing that it needs to do with less and less massive amount of labor that needs to be out there in order to feed it with the information. That's a nice thought. I'm not so sure we're anywhere quite near that yet. According to the article that I was looking at, it looked as though people are still going to be quite necessary for some time to come, and especially on new subjects. And they're really micro pieces of information that they have to look at and act like a robot in reference to the information in order to feed it into the system. And as it learns certain topics, it certainly switches over more to machine knowledge, if you will, but there's so much to learn. There's still a lot of room for human interface and interaction, at least for the foreseeable future and for a while to come. So we do still probably need to be concerned about the ethical implications about how people are being involved in the process. And I bring that up because most people probably don't know that, aren't aware of this role of tasker and, you know, all the ins and outs of it. But it's something that we should keep in mind as we are moving forward, even in evaluating uh, this new technology. Well said. Yeah. So, so Chad, thank you for everything you've been sharing so far about this new technology, ways to use it, the benefits. And we've been talking a little bit about 
aspects of the dark side as well. We don't have the answers to it. We're just raising some of the concerns. And there are some answers that you shared along the way. How else are you advising your clients about the usage of ChatGPT that you haven't mentioned already? I think there's both fear, but also curiosity. So number one, I advise my clients to balance somewhere between the level of the fear versus the level of curiosity. But what I want to say here is this. It is not ChatGPT that potentially will replace us or our our organization in the future. It is going to be the people who leverage and use ChatGPT that will replace us. So the call to action here is you've got to dive in. You've got to learn these tools and other tools that are coming out in order to really understand what the tools can do how they're best going to be leveraged, because I believe when you do so, not only going to improve the quality of your life, the quality of your business, but you will absolutely gain competitive advantage and open new market if you use the tool correctly to take your organization to a level I believe you never thought before is possible. That's a very important point that those who are using and leveraging the tool, in essence, will have an advantage over those who choose not to leverage it or maybe access it late in the game so they're behind the curve, if you will. So I'm glad you said that for people to think about. And you know, I, I didn't remember when email first came to be. Many years ago, I remember people say, who the heck needs a thing called email? And can you imagine today operating in any facet of, of our business or, or life without having the capability to email? Same thing applies to any other technology especially artificial intelligence, we must, we must jump into it, figure out how to best use it and leverage what advantages will it give us personally in our organization in order to do certain things we weren't able to do before. Yeah, this is a really important point because in my case, I was a late adopter to texting and I didn't see any use for texting because we had email. And now I text every day all the time, and it's a quite a valuable tool. So these are good examples for us to remind ourselves about. We've been here before with other technologies, and so that's a great reminder. Thank you for saying that. So how can people reach you, Chad? The easiest way is just to go to our website, thechadbargroup.com. All the information is there. They contact us. Probably the easiest thing. Chadbar.com is access to my blog, which is part of my website. So probably that's the easiest way and the phone number is there, the email access is there. That's probably the easiest way to do so. And people can also access your books on the website as well? That's right. The books are available there. They're available on Amazon, Kindle, on iBook. Yes. Okay, wonderful. And then your one book that I I sort of said is kind of like the go-to book about web presence, so to speak. Uh, Give us just a little preview what will people find there that's particularly useful as far as them staying relevant and current? So The Bridge to Web Success is one of the three books that you you mentioned that's available out there. Some strategic and some tactical approaches to how to leverage web presence. And by the way, when I refer to web presence, because many times people talk about websites, to me, the word web presence includes the following three. Number one, what is the strategic perspective of coming up with a plan for your web to grow your business? Number two, what is the remarkable content that one should engage in in order to engage with others and bring them to your website? And finally, the marketing initiative. So that's part of of the book. And the other one, which is one of my favorite, is Transformation Visuals, 
how to use powerful visual because I always believe that a picture is worth a thousand words. So those visual really are the essence of how to implement some of the things we talked about in web presence or content creation to become more successful in what we do. Yes, thank you for giving us a little tour of your books because I wanted people to get a sense of what they will get if they read the book. So thank you for saying that. So Chad, as we're closing right now, what additional words of wisdom do you have for my community of executive business leaders? And you've shared a lot of wisdom already. I'm sure there's a thought or two left that you can also offer. Perhaps just to build on what you, we just talked about where I think we have to, we, we have a responsibility for ourselves or our organization to, to figure out how to le- best leverage the tool to, gr- to grow our business. And with that in mind, we both serve in the military. I happen to, to serve in the Israeli military, which is mandatory for all of us Israelis who grew up in Israel. But anyway, at one point of my service, I was in a mission that bombs were going off all around us and bullets and things like that. And what I've come to realize when it comes to the business world, no one is shooting at me. You know, so with that in mind, What's the worst that can happen if I try something and it doesn't work? All right, we'll try something else. So my call to action to all of those who are listening, viewing this thing, no one is shooting at you. Become courageous. Overcome that fear. Dive into the tool and really learn how to leverage that tool to gain the the distinctive edge in order to take the organization, the organization, to a much higher level. I think I'll follow that too, Chad. Thank you very much for that last word of wisdom. And I want to thank you for being here with me today on the show. Thank you so much, Dr. Karen. It was a pleasure. I'm so delighted. And so we will close today with a reading from Ecclesiastes, the third chapter. And we'll start with verse 12, which says, I know that nothing is better for them than to rejoice and to do good in their lives, and also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken away from it. God does it that men should fear before him. That which is has already been, and what is to be has already been, and God requires an account of what is past. And I read this today because as all of this knowledge is collected, we want to be reminded that there's really nothing new under the sun. It's been packaged and repackaged, and we can receive it and package it again. It all belongs to our Father who has all abundance. So enjoy as you explore this tool and add to your tool chest and your abundance from God's abundance. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening, and remember to go to my website, 
transleadership.com for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.